here we go. How y'all doing? All right, so listen, um, she did a phenomenal job. Thank you, Celeste. One more time for our host. She came up here and did a whole fashion show and everything. Amen. So we have, uh, I talked with a lot of the people that were here last week, and we have a lot of people that are not going to be going home for Thanksgiving. And I'm sorry, I just don't want y'all eating in no defect. Is that all right? Um, we don't want nobody eating in a defect, and I know everybody's homes with COVID and everything like that. So we're going to do a Thanksgiving potluck here. We're going to have a lot of food catered, but next week we're going to have a sign-up sheet for you to sign up. And then if you are a single soldier, or if you're married, or in a relationship, and you don't have a place to go, we're going to do some games here. We're going to do some family feud. We're going to have some taboo. We're going to have all kinds of activities and different things for the soldiers and families of our community to do. So we can come together. Thanksgiving is really a lot about family. So if you don't have anywhere to go, your unplugged family is going to have lots of good food for you here. And we love it. If you don't already have plans, you can make plans to be here. And we'll be putting the flyer out. That's why it's really important to stay tuned to the Facebook and Instagram page because we will definitely have that information on there for anybody that wants to partake in it. Is that all right? All right. Outstanding. All right. So um, real quick, last, uh, I wanted to uh, go into this right before we go into the word. One of the most important parts of our service is all worship. And everything that we do in the service is worship. So when we come in the way that we greet people, that's an act of worship when we do it unto God. We're singing, of course, that is worship. But one of the other ways that we can worship God is in our giving. In the way that we give unto the Lord and how we present our offering unto Him, that is an easy way to say, Lord, this is how much I appreciate you and I want you to know that I'm so grateful and thankful for everything that you've done. And so we're asking everyone, we haven't had an opportunity to really take time in the service, but I want us to take a good two or three minutes to just worship God in our giving. I'm not going to ask you for a specific amount. I'm not going to tell you about tithing and all of that other good stuff. The Bible says that the God loves a cheerful giver. Somebody say cheerful. cheerful. A cheerful giver. So I'm going to ask, if you don't have a connect card and you're looking for a way, if you don't have cash and you want to give online, I'm, we're going to take two or three minutes to just give you an opportunity while we play a video that talks about giving. That'll give us a nice opportunity to prepare for the word of God, but it will help give you instructions on how you can give online. So if you don't have a connect card, please Please raise your hand uh, if you had it, you know, if you've already connected with us and everything. If you need just the link to be able to get to the digital online giving, I'm going to just ask that you wave your hands and one of our unplugged volunteers will come and see you. Uh, with that being said, we're going to roll to our uh, uh, giving video and then right after that, we will receive the word of God. Somebody say amen. 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 Thank you so much. God bless you. It's easy to think that when we give, not much happens. That's because we tend to think of it as a single transaction. We give, they get, the end. But what if there is more to the story? What if God is doing more than we know with our gift? Good news, he is. When we give, we are doing more than we know because God does more than we could imagine in three key ways. God works through us. We become a pipeline through which his blessings flow. Instead of holding tightly to what he has given us, we must let it overflow into the needy world around us, allowing God's glory to shine. God works with us. We become partners in his mission to renew and restore all things to himself. Through our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, we join in the gracious work he has already begun. We become co-creators, shaping his world for good. God works in us. We become participants in his work of grace within our own hearts. Our giving helps transform us, even as we bless others. 
And as we align our treasure with what he treasures, we reveal the work he is doing in our hearts to make us more like Jesus. What happens when we give more than we could ever imagine? Give generously and discover what God can do because of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, y'all ready for the word of God today? Amen. All right, all right. Y'all have been wonderful all morning. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. If you would, if you would, uh, let's go ahead and stand. And we're going to go ahead and read our scriptures today. Our scripture is going to be coming from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We're going to read the first three verses. If you don't have it on your Bible or your tablet or anything, of course, it is there for us on our screen. Somebody say, all right. All right, all right. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. And it said, uh, we're going to give just a few minutes for our wonderful volunteers to go ahead and help. That's good, right there. Thank you so much. All right, so and then right after that, we're going to go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, the first through the tenth verse. So if you can mark that. All right, so let's go ahead and begin reading uh, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. It's Paul writing to the port city of Corinth, where there's a mixture of Christians there. And he says, now I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached unto you. So what we're going to talk about today is the gospel. Somebody say, I've got good news. Oh, we can do it better than that. Say, I've got good news. We got good news. So Paul is saying, I want to tell you what the gospel is. This is the God. The word gospel simply means good news. So Paul says, I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, what the gospel is that I preach to you. All right, which you receive, on which you take in your stand. This is why we're Christians. This is the evidence or the information on which we have taken our stand as Christians. And this is by which you are being saved. If you give you hold to the message I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. So he says, for I pass on to you, as most important, what I also received. What was the most important thing that I got, I passed it on to you. And he says, this is the most important thing. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So the most important thing, Paul says, is that Christ died. For our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was risen again or resurrected on the third day. Flip over to Ephesians, the second chapter. And we're going to begin reading in the first verse all the way down through the tenth verse. All right, can you see us? Amen? Amen. All right. So he says, and you, this is our prior condition, were dead in our trespasses and sins. In which we previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, of the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature, somebody say by nature, by nature, by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, because of this, God made us alive. Remember in verse 1, he says we were dead, but he says here, God has made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Somebody say by grace. by grace. And he also raised us up with him. Not only Jesus is resurrected, but he has raised us with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. These are the key verses right here. This sums it all up. He says, for you are saved by grace through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. We are saved by grace, not of ourselves. It's not something we can work for. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no man can boast. For we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. And Christ Jesus, excuse me, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God hath prepared ahead of time for us to do. You can have your seats at this time. Today we're going to talk to you from the title, Kill the Spider, Not the Web. Kill the Spider and Not the Web. Somebody say amen. Alright, so, if y'all know how we do, we do it a little interactive here. I want to ask you a question. Feel free to answer right from where you at. Just raise your hand or shout it out. Somebody tell me, what is some of the worst sins that you can think of? Anybody? I see y'all, it's a little hot. Is it hot? Okay, we got to close that door. That'll stop the heat from kicking on. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, so anybody, what are some of the worst sins you can think of? Anybody? It's killing someone. Okay, good. What else? Stealing. Okay, I heard somebody say stealing. So we got killing, we got stealing. What else? Lying. Lying. Okay, that's good. What else? Adultery. Adultery. I heard somebody say. All right, what's up? What you say, one Child abuse. Child abuse. Absolutely. All right, anybody else? Give me one more. Fornication. Fornication. All right, good. She used that big old church word. I like that. Fornication. We don't do that up in here. All right, so all of these killing, stealing, lying, adultery, fornication. All of these are some of the worst things we can think of. This is what we have said. So I want to suggest to you, and all of those are right. I'm not you know, here to rebuttal anything anybody said. I agree with all of those things. All of them are bad. All sin is bad, according to God, because it all is something that goes against what God has told us to do. But I want to suggest to you today that the biggest problem that we face is not lying, adultery, all of these other things, racism, police brutality, murder, adultery. Somebody said fornication. Fornication, abortion, any of those things, all of these are bad, but they are not the biggest problems that we face. Because regardless of how horrible, and they are horrible, regardless of how horrible all of these things are, they are not the problem, they are the result of the problem. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So, adultery, fornication, uh, 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 child abuse, all of these are the result of the problem. They are the effect. They are not the cause. They are the symptom, but they are not the disease. Everybody follow me so far? All right, so, uh, put my picture. Last uh, a couple, in 2010, I was at my grandmama's house, and I used to go over there and visit my daughter. I was stationed in Fort Drum, and I would go over there, and I started getting these bumps on my arm, legit, when I was at my grandma's house, and it was just running all up and down my arm. I see my arm was just tore up. It was so bad that, Chris, I had to go to the emergency room because my arm was itching something terrible. I mean, something terrible, all right? And so I went to the emergency room, and they started asking me all these questions. Do you have hives? Uh, are you allergic to anything? Maybe you're having an allergic reaction. They started trying to test me for all kinds of other diseases and different things like that. And so what they did was they gave me calamine lotion. They gave me all of these different other creams. And they told me one thing. They said, whatever you do, as bad as it itches, don't do what? Don't scratch it. All right? So they gave me all of this stuff to treat the bumps, but the bumps kept coming back. Every time I would go to my grandmother's house, the bumps just kept coming back. And even though I had the calamine lotion, I got tea tree oil, I was using some of everything, y'all, but that stuff was itching up something terrible. But the problem was is that I was kept treating the symptoms, but I couldn't find out what the real problem was. Everybody follow? So we found out later on that what had happened is my grandmother had got some rent-a-center furniture when my family members had brought it over there, and that rent-a-center had a bunch of bed bugs infestation. And the bed bugs got all the way into the house, and they got up under. If you know anything about bed bugs, perfect. You don't. If you don't, that's another. 
worship. You don't ever, 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 ever want to have no problem with no bed bugs, all right? So, but if you know anything about them, they like to hide up under mattresses. And so every time I fell asleep, the bed bugs, when they bite you, they insert a toxin into you that numbs you up so you can't feel it, and then they bite you, and that's when all the bumps would come. But all I kept doing was treating the symptoms, but I, I was going to forever get bumps until I get to the point where I actually find out what the root of the problem is. Everybody with me so far? All right. So in my office sometimes when I have soldiers that come in, I have these, y'all see these little breaks in my office looks just like that, my little heater. And every now and then, I will always get cobwebs up under there. And I, I, y'all been in my office, anybody that's been, I like a clean office, okay? I don't like nothing dirty. My soldiers in here, I like a clean office. And so I go in there and I wipe up all the cobwebs, but the cobwebs keep coming back. And I spray up under there, but the cobwebs keep coming back. Why do the cobwebs keep coming back even though I keep my office clean? Anybody? Say again? Because I didn't kill the spider. And so that's what the issue is, saints of God, that we have got to find out if we're going to be productive in addressing the issues that we face in our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages, in the military, in this country, or even in this world, we're going to have to learn how to kill the spider and not the web. We've got to figure out how do we go after what the real problem is and not going after the symptom of the problem. How do we treat the actual disease and not just the symptom? Because the reason that racism, police brutality, uh, child pornography, all of these things exist is because of the sin that lies in the hearts of mankind. It's sin that makes us want to murder somebody. It's sin that makes us cheat on our wife. It's sin that makes us do things like lie and cheat and steal and commit fornication. It is sin that does all of these things. So if all we do is try to treat the problem and say, don't commit adultery anymore, don't commit fornication anymore, don't do this anymore, but we don't get to the real root of the problem, all that sin will do is manifest somewhere else. Somebody say amen. So we've got to, that doesn't mean, I don't, I don't want nobody to get me wrong, that doesn't mean that we don't pass laws and, and put people in jail that do these things, because we also have to worry about the environment that allows the spider to operate. Somebody say amen. All right? So we do things like vote. We do things like pass laws and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you and I have got to get to the point where we actually go after the spider and not the web. All right. Last week we had three members of our family accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right there, that's your place to clap. All right. That's your message. If we should all get happy about that, if people say, "Hey, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus," because this is the most important decision that anybody can make is to get into that relationship with Jesus. But if we don't understand why we need that relationship with Jesus, then we really don't get all of the benefits that comes with being in that relationship with Jesus. Somebody say Amen. Y'all with me so far? All right, so number one, so what we're going to talk about is, point number one is the sin. All right, everybody came in here, came in here with a ball, right? Uh, Jessica, can you bring me another ball? I want one too. Everybody in here holds your ball up, okay? All right, so if you didn't get a ball, raise your hand because the ball is representative of your sin. Every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you thought about, thank you so much, every sin that you ever wanted to do, this is representative of your sin. Alright? And so we've got to talk about the origin and the problem of evil. Alright? So when Adam and Eve, we talked about this the first day we opened up, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, God tells them, hey, don't eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But when they did that, every person that was born after that, they were born into sin. Somebody say amen. 
Every person now comes into the world born into sin. And see here, this is representative of us. And all of us think that we come into the world looking like this. But in all actuality, that's not the way that it is. This right here. Thank you. All right, this right here is what sin really looks like. And y'all see how it just takes over everything that's in the jar. This is what sin really looks like. And we think that we come into the world looking like this. But the moment that Adam and Eve sin, every person now inherits their DNA that's a sinful nature. And so when sin comes in, notice it changes the way you and I look. It changes the way that we operate. Now we look, it used to look clean. We think that we come into the world looking clean, but every one of us comes into the world born into sin. Play my video phone. I want to see if y'all recognize this particular music. Anybody know who that is? You know who that is? Raise your hand. We ain't gonna who is that? Go ahead, turn, turn it down. Naughty by nature. That is how each and every one of us come into the world. We come into the world naughty by nature. It's not something, we don't become sinners when we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Everybody follow me? All right, so let me put it this way. If I, uh, since took a rattlesnake that has never bit anybody before, and I put it next to your child, would you move out of the way of that rattlesnake? Yeah. Why? It hasn't bitten anybody yet. But because it's naughty by nature. We don't have to wait on the rattlesnake to bite anyone to know that that's what it's going to do because the rattlesnake is born a predator. It doesn't become a predator once it bites someone. It is born into the world poisonous. And that is the way that you and I come into the world. No matter how much we try to look it and do it other way, all of us come into the world naughty by nature. Y'all got it. And here, I got a couple of points I need you to see that about sin. Sin, number one, point number, uh, sub-point number one, sin is subtle. It doesn't come in, and you see how it, it comes in, and it's not overtaking it, but sin is very subtle. It doesn't creep in right away. It doesn't just jump straight to fornication. It starts with liking somebody's Facebook post. It starts with getting into their DMs or sliding in or looking at them just a little bit too long. It starts off very subtle, but it doesn't come at you full force. One of my uh, favorite uh, theologians, he says, it doesn't matter how small the sins are, provided that the cumulative effect of them is to edge the man away from the light and into the darkness. He says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. Without signposts, without milestones, it is the gradual road. The devil ain't stupid. He knows he can't just come at you and put a woman in front of you and say, hey man, you're going to go sleep with her. But what he does is have her walk by and have you look at her just a little bit too long. It's just the gradual one. It's the anger and the bitterness that grows inside of us that results in murder. It's the resentment that results in these things. It all starts internal and then it manifests in a way, but it always starts off, somebody say, suck. It's subtle. The number two is subtle. it's not only subtle, but sin, it causes stains. How many of you all know a famous preacher that had an affair, that stole money from the church, or had something going, maybe had a baby out of wedlock or something like that, and they can preach the house down, but every time you see them, all you can think about is the stain that's on their life. 
How many of you all know a successful person in business, whether it's in church or whether it's in the unit, and they're a great NCO, they're a great officer, but because of something that stained their reputation, no matter how good they are, no matter what the rank is they have on their chest, it stains who they are. Anybody here drink coffee? Anybody drink coffee? I'm, I'm praying for every single one of y'all, right? But you know, when you drink coffee, if you drink coffee out of the same cup all the time, what happens to that cup? It's stained. And it don't matter how much of bleach or a washing detergent you put in that cup. That cup now, there's something about coffee that knows how to stain that cup. And that's the way sin does. It stains. When I was doing this last night practicing, my wife said, baby, be careful. You don't want to stain my glass or her, her table. So I had to really be careful when I was doing my practice last night. That's why she, she came up here real quick. But that's what sin does. It wants to stain your reputation. It wants to stain our good name. It wants to stain this ministry by coming against it with something that is very subtle. And then the last thing sin does is it creates, and this is the worst one, it creates separation between us and God. Because God cannot fellowship. He cannot be in intimacy or communion with someone that is sinful by or naughty by nature. Isaiah 59 and 2 says, but your iniquities, a fancy word for your sins, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face so that he does not hear. That's what sin wants to do. Come in real subtle, stain our reputation, stain our marriages, stain our relationships. It wants to come in real subtle, create that stain, but ultimately to create a separation between us and God. And because of Adam's sin, all of us are now born into this world and we are predisposed to love everything else more than we love God. That's why you don't have to teach children to sin. They do it automatically because we are all born naughty by God. God. So the story of the Bible, we get it confused sometimes. The story of the Bible is not man's attempt to get back to God. It's God's attempt to get back to us. God sees us like this and he says, I don't want my creation looking like this. I've got to do something because no matter what we do, we cannot get rid of this thing. No matter what we do, we cannot get rid of it. We're born into it and it is our naughty by nature. So God, because in, because in who he is, he is social in nature. Watch this. He didn't want to spend eternity in heaven without us. He said, I can go on and try to make them work for it. He says, but if I want to spend eternity with them, I've got to do something. So the first thing God does, and this is point number two. First number one is, uh, point number one is the sin. Somebody say the sin. So uh, point number two is the sacrifices. Somebody say the sacrifices. So what God does is he says someone or something has to pay the price for sin. Because God is a holy God, he is a just God, he's not going to just let us get off scot-free. Someone or something has to pay the price for sin. And so what God did is he instituted something called sacrifices. Go to my, uh, my thing, there's a picture on there. It instituted sacrifices, and what the sacrifices would do, the priests, every one of them, just like we have the ball, every person that committed sin, which was everybody, they would bring an animal to the priest, and the priest would slaughter that animal, and then they would sacrifice it on the altar. And that was what God wanted them. I want you to think in your mind what that looked like. There was about a million people, all of them have an animal that they have to sacrifice. What do you think it looked like? What do you think it smelled like for them to be in that situation? 
God was letting them know that is what sin looks like in my eyesight. That's what it smells like in my eyesight. When you and, when you and I sin, that's what it does. So he gives them these laws. And there were not just ten commandments in the Bible. Somebody that's not in my Bible study, how many of the law, how many laws were there in the Old Testament? Anybody want to take a guess? Over 200, a little bit higher, well, a lot higher. Say again? Over 500, keep going. 600, there was 613 laws in the Old Testament. Not just the Ten Commandments, but there were 613 of them. And guess how many we had to keep in order to be considered righteous before God? Guess how many? Every last one of them. Anybody ever met that standard? You, you, you ain't broken not one of God's laws. You never lied. You never told a story. You ain't never did nothing wrong. No, every one of us. And so the Bible, the reason he gives them these laws is he says, look, my standard is up here. Just because you can't reach it doesn't mean that God says, I'm going to lower my standard. Everybody with me so far? So God says, my standard is up here. And when you look into the Bible and you see my laws, you're going to see that I'm holy and I am perfect. And so he says in Ephesians 2 and 1, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. For all have fallen short or sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages or the work of the pay that you get for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. He gives them these laws so that they will see how bad they need a Savior. He gives them these laws so that they will see that no matter how hard I try, I can't do this on my own. How many of you have ever tried really, really hard to not do a sin that you struggle with? And when you try really, really hard and you fall short on that sin, how does it make you feel? Bad. And that's what the law did. It reminded them that God's standard is up here and we can't meet it. So God wanted them to see, hey, look, I'm going to let y'all keep working at this. I'm going to let y'all keep trying this. And when y'all find out that y'all need me, then maybe we can get something. So that's what the law is all about. The law would cover up sin. It atoned for sin for a year. But the problem is what? Even though I cover the sin for a year, what's the problem? It's still there. So God says the sacrifice will cover your sin, but the problem is the sin is still there because we're naughty by y'all got. We're naughty by nature. So what we did now is we tried to come up with this is point three is substitutes. So first we had the sin. And then we had the sacrifices. And so then we come up with these substitutes. And the first substitute is we come up with good works. So every other religion in the Bible is works-based. So they say if you do this, if you go out and you witness to these number of people and you irritate people by knocking on their doors on Saturday, then you'll be one of the people that get saved. If you talk to this many people and you go to church and you say this many Hail Marys, then if you keep working hard enough, you'll be saved. So it says, if I can clean you up a little bit and you do a lot of good works, if you uh, pass out turkeys on Thanksgiving to the homeless, it'll make you feel good. But the problem is, after you've been passed out the turkeys and you've gave up your money, what's the problem still? The, still? the sin is still there. So the next thing is, we came up with this thing called religion. And religion says if you go to church and you say this many number of prayers and you pray this good and you do all of these good things in church, maybe that will be good enough. But the problem with that is that doesn't really do anything with um, the sin that's still naughty by nature. And so the last thing, and this is the one you hear, well, everybody's going to get to heaven. All you've got to do is be a good person. 
If you just be a good person, uh, like the good, the, the good Samaritan, then everybody else, they would have walked past that person that was getting beat up. But I stopped the fight. I'm the, everybody else is stealing, but uh, I stopped that I'm not stealing like everybody else. Uh, there was a scene in that movie, um, uh, what's the movie with uh, Denzel Washington working, American Gangster. And remember, he, he thought he was so good because all of the other cops were stealing money. But his wife looked at him in divorce court. She says, you think you're going to heaven because you're honest. But he says, you're going to the same hell as the crooked cops you can't stand. We think sometimes that if we're just a good person, that that will mean that we will inherit eternal life. But the problem with all of these substitutes, with good works, with religion, with morality, all of it does nothing with the internal sin that we, that we still struggle with. So, can we leave you there? Our last point is the good one, and this is where all of us should get happy. First, we had the sin, then we had the sacrifices that covered it, but couldn't do anything about it. Then we had the substitutes, and now point number four is we get to the Savior. Somebody say the Savior. We all need the Savior. So what the Savior does is what we see in the world right now is, is mankind drowning in the sea of our own sins. And we're out there, but we don't know that we're drowning. So morality stands at the safety of the shore and says, swim to safety. And if you work hard enough, then maybe you'll earn salvation. That's what morality says. Religion says, if you follow these rules, maybe I'll throw you a life preserver and then maybe you can get saved. Morality says, if I just teach you how to swim better and you get your strokes down and you're just a good swimmer, then maybe you'll get saved. But Jesus says, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to make you work for it. He says, I'm going to leave my throne in heaven and I'm going to come down to earth and I'm going to do something about the sin that is going on in there. So what Jesus does... And this is Jesus. Jesus comes in, and when he dies on the cross, he defeats sin. So all of the sin that we thought was so powerful that we couldn't do nothing about, this is Jesus, and watch what he does. When sin meets Jesus at the cross, sin cannot stand up to him. This is the beauty of what we call grace. Sin takes all of our sins. Now, what I want you to do is we're going to pass this around, and I want everybody, I want you to put your sin inside of this hand. We're going to put all of our sins in there. Because this is what the beauty of the resurrection is, is that all of our sins, past, present, and future, it defeats the power of sin. And when we get saved, what happens is, watch this, when we get saved, God pours into our life, and what once was dirty, now look at you and I. This is the way we look now because of salvation. Now, this is the beauty of it. I can dress this thing up, but it wouldn't have fixed the problem. I can put an unplugged t-shirt on it here, and that's not going to fix the problem. I can take it to church every Sunday, but that's not going to fix the problem. It is only by accepting the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice that we get rid, and now our nature is no longer naughty by nature, but now we have the same nature as Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody's got the hand and say amen. We have the same nature as Jesus Christ. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. God did this for us, Cody, while we were his enemies. If he did, if he died and took care of the sin problem while we were his enemies, what will God do for us now that we are his sons and daughters? You mean to tell me he can't fix your broken marriage after he died on the cross? You mean to tell me that he can't heal your body after he's healed the sin? If he took 
care of every problem that was internal. There's nothing in your life that can come in that will take away who God says that you are. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And so it's not up to us to try to work. We don't work in order to be saved. We work because we are saved. Does that make sense? So it's not coming to church that's going to earn you salvation. It's not reading the Bible. It's not your praying. We do all of these things because of what Jesus has done. We don't do them in order to be saved. We are saved. And now because I love God, now I'm going to pray. Now because I love God, now I'm going to worship. But I'm doing these things because I am saved. I'm not working trying to be saved. Somebody say amen. amen. So this is the beauty. Um, and I'm going to need some help here real quick. Uh, Chris, come on up here and run up here real quick. I'm going to talk this thing through. Again, this represents all of our sins. And so now we have... This right here representing us, and this right here representing God. Take this bucket in the back. Now, this is representative of all of our sins. And I want you to happen, see what happens when we accept Jesus into our life. This is what happens. This is good, baby. It's good. That's good. So, this is what happens when God begins to pour in us through the word of God, through prayer. Go ahead, bro. It's good. We get through prayer. See what happens to our sins. We used to be sinning and it used to fill us up. But now, the more we get of Jesus, it just begins to get rid of all of our sins. And so what you used to struggle with now, you don't struggle with anymore. What you used to battle with, now you don't battle with anymore. The more you get of Jesus, pour that thing in there real good. Pour it in there. The more we get of Jesus, now all of the things that we struggle with is good. Now all of them are gone away. So we don't start off like this, but the more we come to church, the more we pray, the more we listen to the word of God, it's not an instantaneous thing, it is a process. But eventually, we will be just like God. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. And here is all you got to do to believe. He says, John 3, 16, you can help me quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever does what? Believe. Well, no, no, no. But whosoever prays uh, 10 hell bears. But whosoever comes to church every single Sunday. Uh, okay. Whosoever pays their tithes and their offering. He says, but whosoever believes. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care how bad things are in your life. God has already taken care of the sin problem. All he needs us to do is do what? Believe. If we believe that he did that, God will work on us till all of our sins fade away. Somebody say amen. God, in his, he fulfills those 613 commandments. He fulfilled every last one of them. So now we don't have to worry and stress over trying to keep all of those commandments in our own strength because it's not in our own strength that we're operating. We're operating in God's strength. We don't have to offer animals week after week and sacrifices week after week. Jesus was the Lamb of God that was offered how many times? One time and that was it. In his death, he conquers death and sin. In his resurrection, he conquered the problem of sin and death. Jesus didn't waste his time going after all of the webs. Jesus killed the spider. So whatever the spider is in your life, we all know what it is. It is the sinful nature. 
And so if somebody gave you a bad version of the gospel that tells you you got to do all of this in order to be saved, and if you don't do this, then you lose your salvation, once you become this, and here's the good thing, sin can get on you, but it can't go back in you. Does everybody see that? Sin might get on you. I might struggle now with lust. I might struggle now with fornication, but fornication is no longer my naughty by nature. This is it, and I'll bring this to a close. How do you tell if a pig and a sheep are both wallowing in mud? That mud is symbolic of sin. If a pig and a sheep are both covered in mud, how do you tell them apart? That's the question. The noises. Their voices. Their voices? Okay, that's a good one. That's a good guess. What else? Anybody else? Go ahead, Cody. You wash them off. You wash them off. Okay, that, that's a good one. Anybody else? Who said that? Go, go, go ahead and raise your hand. Who was it that said the sheep don't like it? All right, back there in the back. Lower Hill in the back. That's exactly it. The pig is going to wallow in that sin. But the sheep was created to be in green pastures. So the sheep might be covered in sin, but it will never be comfortable in that environment. And this is how you know, this is one of the ways that you know that you're saved. Was the sin that you used to do before without thinking about it, you used to just go out and do it just because you wanted to. Now, even if you struggle with that thing, you don't feel good the same. Conviction set in because sin might get on you, but conviction says no. The blood of Jesus is now in you. Your nature has changed. Sin can no longer be your nature. Somebody say amen. Would you stand to your feet? Unplug was not created to, to just have church. We want you to really understand what the gospel is really all about. To really understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you if you would close your eyes. If today that's you and you heard the word and you're someone who says, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I admit that I'm naughty by nature. I'm naughty by nature. But I want, in the same way we saw that example, I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that he was risen on the third day. If that's you and you want to be saved, would you just lift your hands in the air? If that's you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. If you're here today, I see you, you can put your hands down. I, if you're here today and you said, I'm saved. I already believe that, but I haven't been living. I've been struggling with the sin that's in me. But today I heard the word of God and I want God to pour into my life a little bit more so that the sin in my life that I struggle with, it begins, by in, a, in that way, in that process, it begins to go away. If that's you and you've been struggling, would you just lift your hands so we can pray for you? Thank you, thank you. I see your hands. I see your hands. Thank you. If you were here and you raised your hand and you said that you're the one that wants to be saved. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're already saved, I want you to pray for the person that just gave their life to Jesus Christ. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that we would be saved. That's it. So today, I pray this prayer with me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that he left his home in heaven and that he came down here and died for my sins. 
I believe that the blood of Jesus is able to wash away every sin that I've committed, past, present, and future. I believe that today I am saved because the word of God says so. And this day forward, I am now a child of God. I am no longer naughty by nature, but my nature is that of the spirit of God in Jesus, of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've been struggling, Father, we pray for those that are your sons and your daughters that have struggled in their life with sin. Today, God, we know that you have killed the spider, but we pray for them, that you would watch over them, that you would be with them, even in their struggles, God, even in the things that they are continuing, God, to battle through. Encourage them, Lord God, that they can do all things through Christ that strengthens them to not fight in their own strength, but to believe, Lord God, in your power and in your goodness to be able to bring them up out of what they struggle with. Father, today we thank you for the word of God that you have given us. We thank you for the understanding of what the gospel is all about and the beauty of your sacrifice and how you have given your son for our sins. And today we receive it and we give you glory. We put our hands together and say thank you God for the beauty of the gospel of Jesus